Welcome to the ESG Mark podcast. I'm Chloe and today we'll be talking to Stephen Lane, Chief Financial Officer of Extract and Kirsty Knight, the Head of Human Resources. Established in 1984, Extract has become recognised as a worldwide leader in the design and manufacture of transmission systems, supporting a wide client base covering top-level motorsports and high-performance automotive. Extract has won numerous awards for its apprenticeships and undergraduate training programmes, with one in seven employees starting within the company as an apprentice or undergraduate. Today we're talking to Stephen and Kirsty about how Extract are leading the way with their ESG policies within the automotive industry. Um, welcome to the podcast, Stephen and Kirsty. How are you today? You're good, thank you. Good, thanks, thank you. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, why don't you start by telling our listeners a little bit about your business? That's a pretty open question, Chloe, because we <laughs> could talk all morning about our business, <laughs> um, which I think would people would probably switch off fairly quickly. I mean, we're 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 it's just such a great business that we're both really proud to be associated with that. Um, we're the world's leading designer and manufacturer of um. Uh, transmission systems for high-end motorsport and also um, high-performance automotive. Um, and our, our customers all around the world, they're an international customer base. Um, we supply into um, the high-end motorsport series that people would have heard of, um, be it uh, British touring cars in this country, all the way through to IndyCar, NASCAR in North America. We supply into sports car racing, Formula One, um, and virtually the whole of the Le Mans grid not quite all of it, but almost all of the whole Le Mans grid is, 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 is populated with extract gearboxes. So we're really, really everywhere um, in, in motorsport and increasingly high-performance automotive, which are really expensive cars. Um, so people that want to spend you know, a couple of million euros or above, um, quite often those cars will be fitted with uh, extract transmission systems. Um, and we're, we're based in Thatcham here in the UK. Um, but also have operations in the states. We've got a, an office in Indianapolis uh, and also in Mooresville, North Carolina, uh, which supports our North American customers. We've currently got about 440 people that work for us. So mm. about 400 in the UK uh, and about 40 in the States. And our headcount with the, the growth in our, in our business um, is likely to grow to probably around about 500 by the end of this year. So it's really exciting as well from a people perspective. Brilliant, thank you. Um, so in terms of, obviously you have the ESG mark, you're a sustainable business, um, but people may be quick to think that the automotive, automotive industry maybe isn't sustainable. Um, and I'd love for you to tell us about the changes you've seen in the industry over the last few years in that respect. Yeah, and I'm happy to, happy to do that, Chloe. I mean, I, I think in some ways we've got to take a bit of a step back and think that um, the, the motorsport industry in particular hasn't hasn't been great at telling mm. the general public just what has been happening in motorsport. Um, and 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 the the for example, the engines and the cars that are used in Formula One, they're the most technically advanced cars and engines um, ever. And the most mm. energy efficient um, vehicles that have ever been built, um, uh, and and the increasing use of sustainable fuel through the through the sport, is really helping the industry move towards um, 
the ever-increasing levels of sustainability. Um, we all see electric vehicles in our personal lives. Mm. Um, we understand how that transition to electric is, is moving for all of us individually, um, notwithstanding charging points and black hole and all the <laughs> yeah. rest of it, but, but we can see all that happening in our, in, our, in our personal lives. And that's moving very quickly through motorsport as well and, and through the wider, the wider industry. And we often talk about the technological revolution that we're going through um, mm. uh, amongst our, ourselves and, and through our business. And if you think about where we are, we're on a, um, a journey, really, from internal combustion engines that, um, that, that people have, have been driving for many, many years, all the way through to electric vehicles, which mm. will be coming at some point in the future. And some of that's mandated by um, the UK government, the European government, some of the states in North America have got, um, have got legislation to drive towards that. Um, but there's a journey. Uh, and the, the hybridization is almost a bridge technology that we're going through. Nobody mm. really knows how long it will take to get to the, the point of electrification. But we are moving in that direction. Um, and at Extract, we're really leading the way in that. Uh, and some of the work we're doing with our customers is, is really at the forefront of, of that technological revolution. Um, uh, sports cars, for example, has just moved to a new, um, uh, a, a, a new series, which is called LMDH. Uh, and that's about hybrid racing in sports cars uh, across the world. Um, we've been very instrumental in, um, in, in, in leading the way in, in that technology and helping the customers with that. So it's, it's really exciting. I mean, we're, 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 we're pioneers at the forefront of a revolution in technology, which only comes around once in a generation. And it's pretty exciting, isn't it? It is. And I, I think our history shows that we've, we've been so part of this journey for for quite a long time so only recently we started to hear more about sort of transition to ev and hybrid but back in 2006 was was the first ev gearbox that we produced for a roaster prototype for a high-end customer so it's quite a long time ago now and mm. even going through to sort of 2016 when the formula e series started again extra were at the heart of that producing the gearboxes for those cars so we've got quite a a sustainable long history I think in um in this field as well brilliant yeah and I think it's such a good point that you know within our own lives we see like you said Stephen our own cars are developing um so of course behind the veil of an industry that's also happening yeah absolutely and, and it really is and and it's yeah from a from a people perspective we'll talk about people a bit later yeah. on won't we but mm-hmm. from a people perspective for us to be able to in all sincerity, stand in front of people and say, we are leading the way in what we're mm. doing, um, in, in changing the landscape of technology through our industry. It, it's, a, it's a real privilege to be in a position where we're able to do that. Um, and, and, and we are. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Definitely. In that vein of leading the way, um, I'd love to know why it's important for Extract to demonstrate a strong ESG performance. Yeah, and I I think for us, ESG is absolutely imperative. Mm. And we've got to focus on all aspects of ESG with the alignment, obviously, to the UN's Sustainable Development Goals. So they really do ensure and hold us to account, I think, that Mm. we operate in that ethical manner. But of course, we've got our people at the heart of that as well and taking care of them. Um, And that consequently flows into our customers as well. So they are also holding us to account around how we can make more sustainable products. It really is 
um, fundamentally, it's the right thing to do and what we should be doing as an organisation anyway, really to protect future generations that are coming up behind as well. So I think we've got a duty of care to look at what we're doing around fossil fuels, reducing our use in that area, um, and at a similar time, creating that environment at work where people want to come to work, um, they enjoy coming to work, and we make it an environment where where they can thrive too. So I think it's it's really important for us at Extract that we we do get behind our whole ESG agenda. Mm. If if I if I put my my uh, my CFO hat on for a minute, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got we're not a non non for profit organisation, of course. Mm -hmm. So we've got to balance the um, the the overall I suppose corporate um, objectives of delivering shareholder value and that sort of. Stuff with the ESG agenda and, and in years gone by they were often seen as being mutually exclusive um mm. they're absolutely not and all the things Kirsty said around why ESG is so important mm. to us and it's at the center of what we do it really does play into that um that other um corporate objective of maximizing value for our shareholders and delivering to our customers in a in a um a, a, an industry where we're growing and we're profitable and so on um so it's a, it's a really um, it's a really important central yes. pillar of what we do, um, but we've got to make some money out of it as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and also the fact that obviously there is this idea that sustainability can't be profitable. Yeah. So even what you're saying there, um, you know, it, it's actually what your customers want, and it's a specific service that you're providing by having strong ESG prevent um, exactly. credentials. Yeah, it really enhances the whole the whole proposition it's it's really really positive thing for us to be doing brilliant thank you was sustainability something that the business has always prioritized um like from the beginning when it started or is it something that you grew into i think we've we've grown into it as the world has changed we've always we've always been a business which has been proactive to try and drive change through the industry um and this is just another illustration of that where we're mm -hmm. trying to be proactive in leading the way um I, I think to, to go back to when the business started and, and the first you know, the first few years of, of, of extract, no, I, I don't think it was really something mm. that, that the world was thinking about in the way that it is today. Mm. Um, so it has been something we've accelerated our thinking very much in the past few years. Um, yeah, I mean, it, in particular, from a sustainability perspective, putting a people lens on that, Mm. Um, it's all very well creating sort of a, a sustainable product and an industry, but we've also got to keep an eye on sustaining a workforce as well. Mm. Um, so we've got a number of initiatives that that we've implemented. So we're a real living wage employer. So everyone in the company gets a real living wage, uh, mm. including the suppliers that work with us as well. Brilliant. So taking care of, sort of making sure a sustainable financial future for our employees. But that's coupled as well. I think now the whole well-being agenda and making sure that your your staff are, are healthy. Mm. Uh, so we've got a real comprehensive well-being offering and we'll making some additions to that later on during the year. Um, from a learning and development perspective, so with the change in our business, the change in mix in our business, making sure that we're training and developing our own people as well, right across the board to create sustainability for the future is absolutely key. And I think that's underpinned by what we call our behavioural framework that we've nicknamed PC. Mm. And, and that really brings to life around the whole culture that we want at part, as part of Extracts, making sure it is inclusive mm. uh, and appreciates diversity as well. So 
it, it's a real a real threat for us. I think it challenges all of us, isn't it? Yeah. There's there's a challenge um, around the people aspect of sustainability. We're, we're the best at what we do, and we want the best people to come and work for us. But we've got to create an environment where people feel that they're being empowered um, and uh, and and um, feel that they can contribute and their voice is being being listened to. And as the world is changing, um, and we've got a younger generation coming through into the workforce. The, the the expectations of the younger generation are very different from the expectations that I had when I started my career, mm. and I look back to you know, the, some the, the the work environment in my, when I was in my twenties, and it's it's so different from today, and and so different in such a positive way, and I think mm. the younger generation coming through um, are really they deserve an awful lot of credit because they're challenging thinking. Um, and they've been brought up in a world where sustainability is the norm mm. and um, people's culture and people's behaviours are very much more inclusive and diverse in thinking compared to what they were 20 or 30 years ago. That is so powerful and so beneficial to any organisation. Um, and honestly, I don't think the young people that, that get enough credit for that and the influence that they have on people of my generation, um, well, our generation, yeah. really, um, mm -hmm. They, they don't get enough credit and, and they're, they're a, a real credit to, to themselves. Um, and I think what we're trying to do and some of the things Kirsty was talking about are really trying to make sure that we, 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 we tap into that. Um, and we talk, you talk about the, the employee, employee, yeah, employee engagement, engagement forum, forum that we've got. which is part of trying to engender mm. the, the culture where mm. people get listened to, and 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 people's thoughts come through in a very diverse and inclusive manner, uh, and that and that is so powerful. It, yes. it really is. And they're certainly not shy in coming. No, away. they're not, are they? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, but they, yeah, they really deserve an awful lot of credit. I mean, young people of today, I think, are, um, yeah, they're they're it, they're the future, and and I think they are. Um, yeah, I'm waffling a bit, but I think they're leading the way, and I think they're challenging um, some of us older people in a very positive manner. Honestly, it's very genuinely lovely to hear, um, and lovely to hear that your company is so adaptive to that. So when you know new things are coming, you're not batting them away; you're taking them in, you're listening to people, um, and you're adapting as you go, which honestly is brilliant to hear. I think we see it in. Well, certainly I sit in at home. Um, our, our children are, yeah, they've left home. They're students. They're mm. beginning their their working careers, and the way that they conduct themselves, the questions they ask of of, of us as their parents, mm. it's refreshing. Um, and we see that time and time again. So, I guess did anyone or anything inspire your company um, to get started? This could be you know, in terms of your business model or in terms of starting that sustainability journey? I don't think so. We were talking about this earlier. It's been, mm. it's been really yeah. To answer, um, I think. Yeah, I, I don't think that we can't point to any one person or mm. any business model. Um, and we all, all we could think of really was that we're in a pretty competitive industry. Mm. Um, a lot of us have come from backgrounds where um, you know, we've been involved in um, competitive activity of some mm. of, 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 to some extent even if it's mm. you know, a bit of sport when we were younger yeah um and 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 that 
that wanting to be the best and wanting to push ourselves forward is something which yeah, so. uh, which I think runs through our business. Um, that's why customers with the, the industries and yeah. especially the motorsport side yeah. where there's that will to win. Yeah. Mm. And we are the leading transmission supplier and maintaining that spot exactly, yeah. probably, probably inspires us all to keep yeah. going, that we don't want to be knocked off that top yeah. spot. Mm. So I suppose maybe there's a lot of internal inspiration as well, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a... in, the right way. yeah in the right way, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a great motivation, I guess, um, competitors. And as well, like you said, um, it sounds like you get a lot of inspiration from your own workers as in their thoughts and you have done a lot of work around improving the environmental footprint of your organization and you successfully got your emissions reduction goals accredited through the science-based targets initiative last year um which in itself amazing can you tell us about the process of doing that and the changes that you've made in your business in response to that yeah we're really really proud of that um yeah really proud of that the the um, the last couple of years, we spent quite a bit of time in in trying to understand our scope one and scope two emissions mm. in particular, and and look to see how we can reduce those. Um, we've changed our energy providers so that we have now got um, certifiable green uh, electricity coming into uh, the the factory in Thatcham. Mm. Uh, our Indianapolis facility also uses green uh, green energy. Um, and, and we really wanted to try and turn that work into something that was forward looking and put a framework around it um, so that we could have some kind of credible plan around what we're doing going forward. So the idea of going to the, the um, science based targets initiative was was something that we um, uh, we we started off in 2022. So about 12 months ago, 12 to 18 months ago, we started that really um, and got their accreditation at the back end of last year. I think it was in September of last year. Um, we want to take it a bit further. Um, we're we're looking at uh, putting solar panels on the roof here. Mm. Uh, we haven't done that yet, uh, but we're intending to do that through the course of this year. Um, it's taken a bit longer than we would have liked, but hopefully that's that's coming. Um, I think the next steps are really to see what the annualised effect of the reductions in scope one and scope two will be based on the fact that we've now got green energy coming in, uh, mm. which by September of this year will, will have been for a full, uh, full financial year. What we can then do is to see what the residual amount of um, uh, CO2 emissions is and then look to see how we can offset that if we need to as part of the journey towards carbon uh, neutrality and then ultimately net zero. Mm. All of which ties in with the commitments we've made to the SBTI um, to um, reduce the scope one and scope two emissions by 42% um, by the time we get to 2030, I think it is, from a 2020 base. Mm. Uh, Scope three as well, I haven't talked about. And, and to be honest, we're we're still really in the infancy of, of looking at scope three. We're, we've done some work with our supplier base and customer base to understand what's happening. And, and of course, they're now coming to us as well. So it feels like there's a bit more momentum um, mm. behind uh, understanding scope three emissions compared to what there has been. But um, we're pretty well advanced with scope one and scope two, but a fair amount of work to do on scope three. But that will come um that that will come i mean the the, the, yeah. the whole the whole economy is driving towards that anyway so but no the whole environment environmental footprint that we've got and the work we've done in the past 12 to 18 months on mm. um scope one and scope two in particular and the uh, co2 emissions that have come down dramatically mm. um is really it's really something that we're 
we're quite proud of. Each week we ask our previous guest to ask our next guest a question and our previous guest, Ancient and Brave, um, was really interested to know how other businesses think when considering climate neutral versus net zero um, and how other businesses are tackling minimising emissions in terms of scope free. Um, Obviously, you've mentioned there you're doing so much, um, but I wondered if you had any additional thoughts in terms of um, another business like being curious about what you're doing. I can't really, I think we can talk for other businesses really, but I think in, in the context of our business, the first thing is to get our scope one and scope two's nailed, which we've done. Mm. Once we can see what that is, um, uh, how that plays out, and then we see what our scope one, scope two emissions are. Mm. Um, once we've got a full year of those initiatives having taken place, we'll then get a residual amount of of, of, of emissions, which we, we know that we're producing. Mm. Um, the question then is what do we do with that? Um, and I think, what we would um, intend to do is start then to look at some kind of carbon offset um, to get us to a, neutra- a point of neutrality. Of course, that's not the same as net zero. Net zero is is, is more years, you know, is further in the future, takes in scope three and so on. But I think the first the first port of call is do our scope one, scope two, assess what that means, what's the residual amount of CO2 that we've got, CO2E that we've got, mm-hmm. and then look to see how we can um, how we can neutralise that um through through some kind of offset scheme so that's where our thinking is mm. um uh how that will play out I, I guess time will tell over the next few months but that's that's our general thinking i think it's really interesting to see what you've already done and how you're thinking forward to more you can do thank you um and i guess so you've mentioned you have another base in did you say indian indianapolis um i'll try and get that word out um, so with bases around the world how do you ensure that you have the same level of esg performance in the uk as well as in the us um well they're, they're different there's different sorts of business the business mm. here is a manufacturing location where we've got 400 people here yeah 400 um and 40 people in north america um but they're in um essentially sales and service locations so mm. about 15 to 20 people in indianapolis and 20 to 25 in in Mooresville, North Carolina. Mm. Um, so they're very different locations, uh, but um, uh, but we have got certifiable green energy now being used at Indy, um, mm. which is good. And um, we've got a close knit management team as well. So we've set up an ESG forum. Mm-hmm. So we use that forum to really hold the mirror up to ourselves, um, track our progress with what we're making with the whole agenda there and use that as as well to share opportunities that we might want to consider in the future as well. So you've mentioned a lot about your employees and how they're, you know, you're accepting their opinions, you're giving them lots of spaces to give feedback. Um, And with that in mind, you have an amazing award-winning apprenticeship programme and undergraduate schemes um, with brilliant retention from what I've seen. so how have you ensured such a high level of teaching within your company? Okay, well, first off, we, we have got a marvellous apprenticeship scheme that's been running for well over 20 years now. And uh, it's absolutely ingrained in our, in our culture. Mm. And I suppose where I'd start with that, why it is so successful, is the whole ethos we've got around learning and development, particularly our, our younger people that join our business and making sure they've got the absolute support that they need mm-hmm. so last year we opened our extra academy in March 2022 
which is designed now to give, it's a purpose-built academy with uh, real equipment in it that mimics what they would get on the, the factory floor, mm. uh, alongside classroom facilities as well. So we really can combine um, what life is going to be like when they're, mm. they're in a manufacturing environment, but coupled with that academic study as well. And we've got a really close working relationship with Newbury College that underpinned that whole academia side of an apprenticeship. So I think as well, with having a, an apprenticeship manager as well and some proper apprentice trainers, mm. um, that's really down to sort of why that scheme is so successful with the focus and the effort and the energy that we put into standing that up. From an undergraduate perspective, it's a similar story. We, we make sure that they've got robust learning and development paths while they're with us, and they get the opportunities to really throw themselves into sort of what life is like working for Extract, but equally giving them those opportunities. And we've seen with our, our undergraduate scheme that we typically offer around 70% of them that join us a job when they finish their, their degrees. So again, we've got a high high return rate there which is which is fantastic the benefits for us are seeing our young people develop mm. and I always say from a HR perspective you can you can build your resource you can buy them you can borrow them but definitely for extract the value that we get from building our own resources not only um is it good good for our young people that are here but commercially there's benefits for us as well mm. which is which is great and not only do they have an excellent programme, uh, the business benefits for us are we really are developing our own talent and providing a pathway really for career development, which is which is great. And I think that's probably underpinned by uh, a high retention rate of our apprentices that are still here, mm. which is great. Yeah, that's brilliant. I think I was going to ask when you were talking about, you know, you're putting a lot of effort and time and resources into training people. Um and then to hear that you as a business are also getting a lot back from that you're you know it's also part of a business plan as well as providing these wonderful experiences um for apprentices and undergraduates brilliant thank you um and could you tell us about the work that you do in your community yeah definitely so we are really active in our in our local community and um, probably I've already mentioned the work that we do with Newbury College. Mm. So we're very active with them, but equally with schools and charities. And I think for us at the moment, we've, we're starting to have a much, much more heavy focus on working with schools, in mm. particular to really drive our whole um, idea agenda around wanting more females, not just in our business, but mm. I think manufacturing um, across, across the piece. So for us, we are starting to look at how we can create STEM ambassadors within our own business and use those ambassadors to really champion almost like making engineering a normal job that uh, a young girl or lady would, would want to go in. So we're getting much more closer now to working with schools and promoting our industry as a, an industry of choice going forward in the future. We also do um, a comprehensive work experience programme. So typically we, we start with our employees because a lot of them live locally. So giving their children the opportunity to come in and spend a week with us and be fully immersed into the whole extract experience and what, what the business is all about. So that's a, an initiative that we've got as well. As well as doing events like teen tech events where we're showcasing what we do and getting hands-on experience for 
for local kids and, and kids sort of further out of the locality of Thatcham, an opportunity to understand a bit about our industry, as well as promoting ourselves through sort of local career fairs uh, and undergraduate fairs as well. So we've got we've got quite a broad mix of um, levers that we pull within the local community. That's so brilliant to hear. And I think it almost, to me, goes back to the first one of the first questions I asked about the automotive industry, the the stereotype of it being unsustainable, but also the stereotype of it only being men who work in this industry. So it's really brilliant to see on all fronts you're leading the way and breaking those barriers for people. Returning to the sustainability side of things and the ESG side of things, do you think having strong ESG credentials has been a competitive advantage for Extract in an industry that is transitioning? So like you said, from, um, you know, uh, combustion engines to hybrid, um, do you think that's been an advantage for you? Yeah, un- undoubtedly. Um, our industry is changing really, really quickly, as, as we mm. talked about um, and to stay at the front, we need to be continuing to evolve our business and to be able to demonstrate that we're proactively leading the way rather than just reacting to what the market is telling us. And 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 we do that. That That's what we do. That's what we've done for 35 years uh, and will continue to do. Um, and the, the strength of the SG credentials are really important to being able to provide customers with what they want as they're continuing their ESG journey. Um, but it's also important to make sure that we have young people coming into the work for us in the way that we talked about earlier on um so we we have a point of difference um it, it's a really exciting fast-moving sector that i think we're leading leading the way in many ways and some of the initiatives that we've talked about through the past um uh, the past conversation through this conversation has really been um illustrating some of what we do yeah. uh, which mm-hmm. is why we think we're we're um, we're leading the leading the way in that and trailblazing a little bit. And certainly from a recruitment perspective, we're finding now a more common question is around the whole ESG agenda and what mm. we're doing. Typically, for yeah. younger people now, are really questioning: Do I want to work for an organisation that perhaps hasn't got a strong ESG agenda? So mm. we're finding that's coming through more and more now as well. So um, as long, if we've got it, then that has got to give us a competitive advantage in the future as well to recruit in those kind of talent that we want in our business as well. And definitely, as you said, with the apprenticeship schemes schemes and undergraduate schemes, you're bringing people in in a lot younger age, maybe than maybe other competitors. Um, So are you finding those questions are coming a lot from those schemes as well? People coming to typically graduate level. Mm. That, that's where we're, we're finding them I'm presuming because of the the kind of environment that they're in and I know universities are very are very hot on this as well mm. so definitely that is one of the things that we are being asked for it goes back to what we talked about earlier isn't it the the, the world that young people yeah, are growing, they're up, growing up in is different. is different from the world that we grew up mm. in um yeah. and therefore we're getting questions that they're asking us mm. um which is right and proper and, and we're adapting and and trying to make sure that we can um move forward and and, and stay ahead of things it's brilliant to hear both of your perspectives on that thank you so much for both of your perspectives we are on to our final question unfortunately um so each week we ask our guests to ask the next guest a question um so we would really love um to hear what question you would have for another sustainable business We've, we've talked through the course of this conversation about how um, profitability and sustainability 
absolutely go hand in hand mm. and they really work complementary with each other. Um, so I think we'd be really interested in hearing from another business as to how they see the compatibility of profitability and sustainability in their business. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Well, um, thank you both for being on the podcast today. It's been really great to talk to you. Thanks thank for you. having us, Chloe. Yeah, thanks, Chloe. Thank you for listening. For more information on Extract and their ESG policies, please check out our show notes from today's episode.